0: You've been listening to amazing music here at the Nahum Siegel Network. Coming up next, J.M. Sunday with Matis Weingast here at NalchemSiegel.com. everyone to JM Sunday live right here on the Nachum Siegel Network. I am your host, Matus Weingast. It's July 22nd, 2018, and it's the 10th day in the month of Av, 5778, which we commemorate as uh, Tisha B'Av. The 9th day of Av was actually yesterday on Shabbos, but since we don't have on Shabbos any... uh, Open manifestations of mourning uh, it, that is pushed off until last night and uh, today, when we uh, commemorate Tishah B'av with uh, all the uh, all the actions or non-actions of the day, such as uh, not uh, bathing and uh, and uh, cleaning and uh, not eating, of course, and uh, everything that would be in the prayers that would have been said yesterday or move to today, such as uh, such echo was last night, and uh, Kinnis today, and we are here with you live, J.M. Sunday on the Nachum Siegel Network. Nachum Siegel programming today is uh, is going to be uh, going to be very timely for the uh, for the day. We are here until nine o'clock. We'll be presenting two lectures by Rabbi Beryl Wine, and then at nine fifteen until 2 p.m. today, it's all Eastern time, live from the New Springville Jewish Center. There will be a presentation, a live Tisha B'Av program, with uh, Kinnis Explained, uh, three uh, presenters during uh, Kinnis, from 9.15 to 11.15, and then thoughts about... Uh, actually starting at uh, 9.15 and ending at about 12.15. And then thoughts about Tisha B'Av beginning at 12.15 and uh, ending with Mincha at one forty five, And that's at the New Springville Jewish Center. Everyone is invited to join. Uh, 120 Saxon Avenue in Staten Island. And if you're not able to make it over there, you can watch the entire program at nachamsiegel.com. You can also listen uh, at... Uh, at NachumSiegel.com, uh, you can check the NSN app or the listen line at 605-562-4400. You can get that on on uh, on the uh, NachumSiegel.com also. Uh, so that is a uh, program taking place from uh, starting in a few hours throughout the day into the afternoon. And then tonight, from 7 o'clock Eastern Time, till 9 o'clock, right before the end of the uh, fast. Project Inspire uh, presents We Need You, Stepping Up and Taking Responsibility. And uh, that will be a program featuring Charlie Harari and the Project Inspire staff. So that is uh, also going to be live, a Tisha live streaming talk show. Also, you can hear that uh, and see that on com. So it is uh, a very uh, meaningful day that is planned ahead on the Nachum Segal Network, and uh, we hope that you can take advantage of it. In our area, here in uh, New Jersey, the fast ends this evening at 9.04, and Chatzos is at 1.03, after which you could sit on... uh, on regular chairs. Uh, and interestingly, because today is actually in the calendar of the 10th of Av, then uh, pretty much as soon as Tisha B'Av is over, uh, and beginning tomorrow morning, certainly uh, none of the restrictions that usually happen on the uh, 10th of Av would take place. We push off Tisha B'Av, we don't push off the 10th of Av. So tomorrow morning already, it's uh, normal, as it were. Uh and that is uh, the way the calendar works this year. I hope you're all doing well. I appreciate you joining us this morning here on the Nahum Siegel Network. Uh, we won't have our news from Israel this morning. Uh, Khan of Julian is off today. As I said, we'll be presenting Rabbi Barrel Wine. We'll get to that. We'll get to his first lecture in uh, just a, uh, a few seconds. Uh, the temperature outside... Here in our area, 73 degrees and cloudy, going up to a high of 83 degrees with a 20% chance of rain. And tonight, 75 degrees is the expected low with 80% chance of rain. And in Jerusalem right now, it's 83 degrees and clear, sunny, and uh, going down to 67 degrees this evening and uh, clear. It's 10 minutes after the hour. 7.10 7.10 Eastern Time here on J.M. Sunday on the Nachum Siegel Network. And uh, we will present uh, Rabbi Barrow-Wine in, uh, as I said, in just a few seconds. Uh, and he'll be talking about the Haftorah of uh, Tishabov B'Av. Uh, and then uh, he'll be continuing that into the second part. So uh, glad you could be with us today. It's uh, the saddest day commemorated in the Jewish calendar. We are here with you live right here on JM Sunday on the Nachum Siegel Network.
1: The Haftorah that uh, I'm going to deal with is the Haftorah for Tisha B'av, for the ninth day of Av, the saddest day of the Jewish calendar. And the Haftorah is uh, from the prophet Yirmiyahu. You know that there's a word in English that's called a Jeremiah. A Jeremiah is an elegy, a uh, sad, doleful uh, uh, type of prophecy. Well, uh, this is the chapter that they got the word from. This Haftorah is not only uh, sad, but the uh, Novi uh, recites it in almost a ferocious tone. And that's why it's according to the custom of the Ashkenazim, it is the Haftorah for the morning of Tishabov. The uh, Svartim have a different Haftorah, uh, which is uh, in its way uh, more, uh, I don't know when to say cheerful, but it's less ferocious than this one. Asolfasi fame mashem. Asol fame, I will utterly destroy them. That's the uh, usual uh, translation of the word Fame. I shall utterly destroy them. To gather them, meaning like to gather them off the face of the earth. Uh, it can also mean that I will gather all of the fruit and all of the food and all of the defenses possible against the enemy and the Jewish people will be left exposed and bare. We will see that uh, this Haftarah fits in very well in the description of all the times of terrible trouble of the Jewish people, and that the Novi may have had our, uh, our generation, the previous generation, in mind. there are no grapes on the vine. Eina navim and there are no figs on the fig tree. Veheola novel, and the leaves have withered. Bo'etein lahem, and whatever I gave them as a gift, Yavrum has since passed away from them. There is nothing left for them. The Mephorshim here say as follows. Grapes are the uh, most uh, important of all of the fruits in the world. Because from grapes you can make something. You can not only the grapes, you make wine, which is the has always been, at least in Jewish life, the most important of liquids. So grapes are representative. Sometimes you have people who are creative. It's not just the person himself. It's that this person can influence so many others. This person can benefit so many others. So they have been taken away. Ein ovim bagefen. There are no more grapes on the vine. But at least you have people left, people in their own right, even if they're not necessarily effective with others, but they as a, as a person exist. That's tehenim bataeno, the figs and the fig tree. You can't do much with figs except eat them. But the fig itself is a nourishing, sustaining food. There are no figs in the fig tree either. There are no people left. And not only that, there are people who themselves are shallow, who themselves are of little social value, who don't contribute that much to society. Uh, they're there for window dressing, they're there for show. They also are not here. no. They're representative of the leaf on the tree, which is there for protection and for show, it cannot be eaten, but it's part of the tree also. And the leaves have also withered. Vete Elohim, every gift that I gave them, God says, Yavrum has been taken from them by the enemy. We have this concept many times in Tanakh, and the irony of life is that a person never knows who one really toils for. We don't know for whom the bell tolls. You really don't know whom you're saving your money for either. Because many times uh, it ends up in the hands of the government or the lawyers or all sorts of things that one never imagined. And it's taken. Yavrun. It's taken away. All the gifts that one had that could have been used for a positive and strong uh, action, all of that has been taken away. Al-Mohan <speaking> So the people who live in the scattered cities, in the defenseless towns, so they say, well, what are we doing here? What are we staying here exposed? They're convinced that if they go to the main cities where the defensive walls have been constructed, that they will be saved. Let us come and gather and go to the fortified cities, to the cities that are well protected. So here again is not only the imagery of refugees on the run, uh, but the, the nature of people is to try and find some sort of refuge and improvement in their situation. So the people don't realize that it's a general calamity. They feel that they'll be safe somewhere else, which is what happened in the Second World War in Eastern Europe, that no one imagined the general calamity. And they thought that if they went to Vilna, they'll be safe, or to Warsaw, they'll be safe without realizing that there was no longer any safe haven. V'nidin HaShom. V'nidin we will be silent there. So silence here is uh, uh, an ironic word. They say we'll be silent, we won't be noticed. We'll be able to blend into the society and we'll be able to escape and be part of it. And the Lord says, Venid there they will be struck dumb. They will be made silent. They'll be cut off. And the Novi continues, How futile that is. Kiashem hadimonu. The Lord our God has silenced us. So the silence is that we cannot even pray to him. The doors are closed. The gates of prayer are closed. Nothing could move him anymore. But there is a stage in human existence that is beyond our understanding where the gates of prayer are closed. We find that uh, in the personal life of Moshe, our teacher, who God told him it's in, in the Parsha of askhaan, so Moshe prayed unto God, he broke down the gates of prayer and God told him, that's it, forget it. Stop it. And the Rebun said, It's enough. I don't want to hear anything more. So there is a uh, the gap between our understanding of the world and our understanding, so to speak, of the nature of the Creator and the reality of it. So the Lord has silenced us. Because even our traditional weapons of prayer do us no good anymore. Mayashkenu me Rosh. He has given us to drink the waters, the poisonous waters. Rosh is a poison. It's polluted waters. Ki Because our sins have overwhelmed us. We have sinned to God and therefore, this tragedy has occurred to us. Now, Marosh is a, an interesting uh, phenomena because when the person, according to the misfortune when the person begins to drink the water, he doesn't realize that there's anything wrong with the water. It's not till the aftertaste sets in. It's a little like uh, ShopRite Cola. That the, It's only after the aftertaste sets in do you realize that it isn't so good and then it's too late right and here it's poisonous in fact it's corrupted it's uh, it cannot be uh, cannot be consumed so this also is an imagery of how the Jewish people were they drank strange waters they served strange gods so while they were drinking it they thought everything was fine now the aftertaste has caught up to them now they realize that they have poisoned their system and that God will not overlook it. Kavil Shalom Vaintov. We hoped for peace. But there is nothing good that happened. No good came upon us. Lais Marpe, we hoped for a time of healing. Marpe is like with an olive. This is spelled with a hey, but it's the same word. Marpe, we hope for a time of refua, time of healing, vihile valsa, and instead of that, there's terror. also is terror. The terror, the panic. That is, that, that is the, uh, the psychological fright, uh, we know, is many times as bad, if not as worse than the actual physical danger. We so in Israel, never the people died of a heart attack. One of my uh, Talmudim, five of my Talmudim were there in Erich Israel for for these two weeks, and they came back, and one of them told me that uh, that uh, Friday there was a uh, thunderstorm in Tel Aviv, and the peal of the thunder, people ran into the shelter. Because of the fact that they thought the Patriot missiles were going. That's the terror. That's the fright. He said other Jews stood on the street and recited the brocha out loud. There's a brocha that you make on thunder. Koko grasso moleola. Which is, again, the same. It's a reaction to it. I have, uh, you know, Saddam Hussein deserves some credit. I have uh, someone in Israel that I uh, I've dealt with for many many years regarding uh, certain uh, foundations that uh, the yeshiva has been able to uh, to get some money from, and we've been able to place people. And, uh, interesting. So the person is uh, an agnostic, if not an atheist. Comes, and comes when they come to the yeshiva to visit the yeshiva. They like they don't know how to put on a yarmulke. It's uh, it's against their Conscience, their inner conscience. But uh, you know, Rabbi Wein's a nice guy. I always treat him nicely, and I write to him. So I wrote to him uh, two days ago. I faxed him something, the fact that I hope the Mirzah Shem to be in Israel in the next uh, few days, relatively speaking, and that I have to meet with him, and I want to know if the meeting is on, etc. And if he could, uh so I got the fax back this morning. He writes in the facts, he wrote it out with his own hand, not with a typewriter. He wrote it out with his own hand, and he says, When you come, God willing, to Jerusalem, you know, we'll talk about these and these matters. Right? The guy writes in Mirza Yeah. So you cannot say that he doesn't have some effect, our friend Saddam. But it's a frightening thing, that's the terror. Behold, we thought that there would be a time of healing, and instead it's a time of terror. This is the description of the enemy. From dawn in the north, we hear the neighing of his horses. We hear the noise of his horses, of the... Uh, of the uh, cavalry charging. So when the horse charges, he breathes heavily through his nostrils, so you hear that sound. So to us, uh, where we're no longer in in horse uh, and cavalry warfare, so we would say you hear the sonic boom of the jets, you hear the explosions, you hear the sounds of war. They say that one of the uh, most frightening things in the modern battlefield is simply the noise. The noise is of a nature that paralyzes people. So that's, we hear it coming from the north, Midon. Mikol Mitzhalo Sabirev, we hear the voices, the shouts of their heroes, of their strongmen. In the ancient world, even as late as the American Civil War, the rebel yell. In the south, uh, when the soldiers charge. So they had a special yell and in all of the uh, records of the Civil War anyone who heard the rebel yell remembered it for the rest of their lives, both friend and foe. So that's the mitzhalo sabirov, the shouts of its heroes, the yell. Ro'a all the earth trembles, it trembles because of the great mass of humanity that is moving. And they have come to consume the entire country. The land and everything that is in it. The city and all those who dwell within it. So the city refers to all the cities of Israel, but it refers always most specifically to the city of Yerushalayim, which is the city in the world. Now, because God says, I am sending amongst you snakes that are vipers. That's the description of the enemy. Tsiphoni is a viper. That's the most poisonous of snakes. It's a snake that even that if it touches you, it destroys you. There are snakes that, uh, nobody likes snakes particularly, but there are snakes uh, like the garden snake or the garter snake that uh, is not necessarily dangerous at all, It may even be beneficial. Keeps, uh, keeps other uh, rodents and insects out of your tomato patch. But then there are poisonous snakes, but there are poisonous snakes that a person can recover from the bite. They are not very poisonous. It's not fun, but there are poison in the And then there are snakes that are like vipers, where the bite is lethal, where the venom is such that it paralyzes the human nervous system in an instant. And the person can't breathe, cannot come to himself. So that's, God says, I'm the snakes, the enemies that I am sending you, not nice enemies you know america in the middle of bombing iraq he says today you know that we're going to need 20 billion dollars to rebuild it right so you know that's america you know therefore they already got in the budget they're going to rebuild it but uh, most uh, our enemies are tzifonim, they are vipers i share lochash so ein Lohash lochash has a double meaning one meaning is that they have no venom. They have no venom. Meaning uh, that they're so poisonous that you don't need any venom, right? They're just the teeth, the fangs alone kill. They don't have to inject you with a tremendous amount of venom. They are so lethal. Others learn, asherin lem lochash, they make no noise. They are so stealthily careful to surprise you that they make no noise you don't even realize that the snake is upon you others say there is no antidote to their bite because uh, many snake bites have an antidote and if a person injects himself with the antidote so he's able to survive this is one that has no antidote It has. There's no way to get rid of his bite. So all three pshoti mean the same, that you're talking here about a snake for which there is no defense. And they shall certainly bite you. Don't think that you will escape. So we have here, uh, as I mentioned, you know, a ferocity of vision. And you'll see that the Novi doesn't even ask the Jewish people to do tshuva. He doesn't say, pray to God, because he says it's useless. You know, you just, you got to take it. There's nothing there. It's irreversible. It's of no use. Mavligisi ale Yorgon. I strengthen myself. Mavligisi means I strengthen myself in my grief. In my sorrow, the Novi says. Olai libi Davoy, inside me my heart is sad and broken. Why? Because the Novi's been saying this for 30 years. He said this is what's going to happen. Now he sees that everything he said comes true. So there are people in the world, never that like to say, I told you so. Who have a perverse pleasure over the fact that they are right. I see they always write for the Wall Street Journal. I I told you so. Nobody likes to hear I told you so. Not in a family, not in the school, not in the community, not in the world. Doesn't accomplish anything. But here the Novi is genuinely heartbroken that his words have come true. Don't forget the Novi was put in jail for saying these things. He was in the dungeon. He was arrested a number of times. He was held up to ridicule. The kings of Judah said that he's a troublemaker. He's not telling the truth. The truth is that nothing's going to happen. And now he is vindicated beyond any imagination. So the Navi uh, humanly uh, would be allowed a moment, a glimpse of uh, self-satisfaction. I told you so. You didn't listen to me. Look what happened. But that's not the Novi Yermio. And the Novi is heartbroken. Hine ko shavas basami. I hear the voice, the shouts of the daughter of my people, meaning of my people, my daughter. Meheretz She shouts from a far land. He sees them in the exile already. Jews scattered all over the world, far from their homes. HaShem in Zion. is God no longer in Zion? There are no Jews there. The temple is destroyed. There's no Jewish settlement. We, uh, who in our time uh, have never had to imagine, I always feel that when I speak in the yeshiva to the boys so In the yeshiva, there is nobody there almost that... Uh, uh, the, that remembers any time when the jewish people didn't own jerusalem and didn't have the western wall and uh, you know to them it's you know that's the way it's supposed to be and there's no one amongst us there was always the in our lifetime a great jewish settlement in the land of israel but it was not always like that in fact for most of the time it was not like that at all we take it for granted take the state of Israel for granted. We take everything for granted. It's supposed to be that way. We even have complaints that it's not the way we like it. I remember when I was a uh, child growing up in my parents' home in Chicago, so uh, we used to get letters from Palestine from my father's relatives, from my relatives, so the the British who always were very even-handed in these matters, so the stamp of Palestine had the Mosque of Omar on it. That was the stamp of Palestine, and uh, I remember my father used to peel off the stamp. He used to keep the stamps. So I once asked him, what do we need the stamps for, you know, to say you can't use them here? So he said the stamp is printed in Hebrew, it's a Hebrew stamp. It says on it, it said Palestine in Hebrew, it said in Arabic and in English and in Hebrew. So the Eastern European Jews, if you saw a postage stamp printed in Hebrew, so that was, you know, that meant something. A different world. Different understanding. So the, the God is not in Zion, right? The Jewish people are not there. Just as an aside, Israel has probably the most beautiful postage stamps in the world. They put out such a beauty. It was the 900th York side of Rashi, so they put out a stamp for Rashi, and Rashi letters. It was just, just beautiful, that stamp I have. Just beautiful, I mean like, the right thing. Right thing to do. I commented on the yeshiva and that too, that Greece never put out a stamp of Alexander the Great yet. Italy didn't put out a stamp of Julius Caesar, right? They're all gone, right? He put out a stamp in Rashiksav, everybody caught it, you know? Everybody understood immediately the stamp. They didn't use the regular Hebrew, they used the Rashi Hebrew to put it out. Well, that's, uh, you know, that's the Jewish people. Imauka Ingba, the king is not there, the the royal palace is not inhabited. Where is God? How could such a thing happen? So God answers, "Madua Bifis, Bahavle Wow, how about them? Why did they anger me for so many centuries with their idols? Bahavle Nechor with the vanities of the strangers. How did, why did they do that, right? Now they ask, what happened to God? God asks, what happened to you? Now this is the ongoing conversation, which is the story of the exile of the Jewish people. We and God never seem to get the story straight. How did it happen? Ovarkotzir kolokoyitz. The harvest season has passed. Kayitz. The summer is gone. People thought that somehow we would be saved in the passage of time. Some miracle would come and stop the Babylonian army. A miracle would occur. It's interesting how all the contests remain the contests of the Bible, right? Babylonia, right? So we think Babylonia, Babylonia. Here it is, Babylonia. The old contests are all here. You know, Saddam Hussein... uh, uh, named his nuclear reactor Tammuz 17 after the 17th day of Tammuz when the Babylonians cracked the walls of Jerusalem. He knows what he wants to do. He's not without uh, the only thing is he doesn't know that the Babylonians were on the 10th day of Tammuz and the 17th day of Thomas were the Romans. <laughs> he doesn't know the Rashi, right, that he didn't figure out. But But his message is clear, right? So the Babylonians are back. We thought we would be saved. We have not been saved. We have not been saved. This is a reference, a veiled reference to the fact that the Jews counted on the Egyptians to come to their aid. The Jews had an alliance with Egypt and that was what they relied upon. The Novi said, rely upon God, and they relied upon... The Egyptians and the Egyptians never came. Al-Shever Bas Ami Hoshborti. Hoshborti means I am broken over the fact that my people have been broken. The disaster of my people is my disaster. Tanovi takes it personally. Again, that's uh, a trait of identity with the Jewish people to be able to identify with the Jewish people. I always remember that I was a little boy, my Zayde never allowed the house to be painted. My, my, my aunt had arranged that the house should be painted for Pesach in 1943. And the Jew came to paint the house for Pesach, a paint now, And she evidently had done it without my grandfather's permission. And when in, but she, uh, my grandfather lived with them after my grandmother died. She lived with my aunt and uncle. So when he came home uh, from shul, I happened to be there with my mother. So and the painter came in and started setting everything up. And he looked around and he sees the painter is there. So he asked him, "What's he doing there?" So he said, "My aunt." Uh, you know my aunt had ordered it so he said well there must be a mistake and he went in the kitchen he told my aunt he said Jews are burning in the ovens we're not going to paint the house for Pesach and then he went and he paid the painter the whole amount of money because he knew the Jew needed the money for Pesach so he took care of both things I remember that like today he gave him the money and they didn't paint the house he's not gonna paint the house Jewish people are in trouble. He's not going to paint the house. But well, That's a naive, you know, a, a feeling of identity. I don't, you know, you can't criticize Jews, but it's, you know, sometimes things are hard to look at, it's hard to see, you know, the, how people don't feel. People don't are not sensitive to what's happening. They're only they're worried about the, their petty things. Benoni says, "I am broken by the disaster of my people." Kodarti, I have become blackened, my face is black. Shama hechizikosni, desolation holds me in its grasp. I am desolate, I have nowhere to go in the world. Famous passage here, Chofbeis, Hatsori ein begilad, is there no baum in gilad? Is there no medicine to be found? Imrofei eimshom. Is there no doctor for us? Is there no healer that can help us? Madualo also basami. Why do my people find no solace? Why do they have no healing? Why is my blow such a blow that it cannot be healed? Now this is the, in the King James Version and the translation of the Bible. Well, this is the famous uh, phrase, uh, balm in Gilead. There are no balm in Gilead. Which in the modern English they already translate, you know, there are no Tylenol in the medicine chest. And the modern one is Azeon Tam, right? It's mamish without any sense. The, the King James Version is majesty. But, uh, you know, nobody likes 16th century English today. The the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, right? So the new one says, the Lord tends my sheep, I lack nothing. the only thing you lack is sensitivity. So this is the famous phrase, Baum from Gilead. Mi yitain roshimayim, alavai, would that my head would be a source of water, that I could always weep. There are so many tears to be shed, and I don't have any more tears than Ovi says. I'm exhausted of tears. Eini mikor my eye to be the source of tears. If that would be Voevke yomam Valailo, I would weep day and night. I would weep without interruption as halalei basami, over the corpses of my people, over the death that has overcome my people. But the Novi says, I have no more tears. I'm all cried out. I've wept so much that there's nothing left. So I have nothing more to say. Alavai <speaking in Hebrew> he said, I could be like in the desert, the inn that's in the middle of the desert. In the desert, uh, there were inns that were located at oases in the desert. So even though everything around is pure desolation, everything around is uh, parched land and drought and thirst, but at the inn there is some solace. At the inn there is comfort. So the Novi says, I'll avide that I would be like that, right? In the midst of this desert of trouble if I could find a place where I can find some comfort. If I found them, I would forsake my people. What do I need the trouble? But he says there's such a strong idea that there's no place in the world for a Jew to escape. even if he wants to escape, even if he feels justified in escaping, that God won't let him escape. I have nowhere to run. I'll go away from them. Because they're the ones that did it. They are all adulterers meaning they're all unfaithful. So the idea of adultery here is not only the fact that they were sexually immoral and that that was the tenor of the society as as it unfortunately was, but the forsaking of God and of the Jewish religion is seen as being adultery, because the relationship between God and Israel is the relationship of marriage. It is not to be seen as uh, it's described in Shir Hashirim in that fashion, that God, so to speak, is the, the man and the Jewish people are the woman in the matter. And that it's a story of love, it's a story of a relationship, it's a story of loyalty one to another. So if a person is disloyal, so he's unfaithful, it's not victimless crime, which is a great phrase invented in Western society. Victimless crime, right? It's not a crime. And it is a crime because it's not just what the person does, it's what that act does to the other person. The destruction that is caused to the other person by the infidelity. So there is, the the novi says kikula The relationship to God is like that. They're unfaithful to the Rebbe Nishalolam. bogdin, They're a convention of traitors, a convocation of traitors. Because again, the word here that's used is treachery. They're disloyal. They're guilty of treason. Vayadrechu es kashtom sheker. The, the imagery here is that a person's tongue is like a, bow it, is like a bow, and the words that emanate from that tongue, that's the arrow. So Vayadrechu es kashtom sheker means they have stepped on the bow, if you want to shoot a long way. So in the ancient world, the great archers would lie on their back and they would push the bow taut with their feet because that was they were able to get a much greater tension than they were with their arms alone. And that was like the long-distance artillery. So that's Vayadruchud, from the word Dorach, to the step. They stepped on their bows. But their arrow was lies, their arrow was falsehoods, sheker, that became the way of life. The way of life became one of lies, to lie to each other, to lie to oneself. That's what Chazal say, that the worst of all punishments of a liar is that eventually he only lies to himself. He himself believes the lies. And they attempted to become gyborim, heroes, strong men, powerful, but without faith. A person without faith cannot be strong. Or rather, the strength cannot be productive. Nothing good will come of it. He may ro-o el ro-o this is the ad- uh, idea of Avera, Goreras, Avera. One sin drags you down to another one. Just as Mitzvah, Goreras, Mitzvah. If you do good things, so you end up doing a lot of good things. You do bad things, so then you end up with a whole peckle of Averas, right? I always say that you come to Shul in the morning, right? So you daven You put money in the tzedokah box. You hear a word of Torah. You say to him. You go. Before you know it, you got a package, right? You got something out of it. You go other places. So, you know, it's not just the one of air, right? There's 15 of airs that come from it. Eat popcorn without a yarmulke. Right? A lot of things happen before you know it. That's miro'o el ro'o yotso. They went from one evil to another evil. They didn't even realize what happened to them. The osi lo nu mashem. Now, this is a phrase that we'll see at the end of the Haftorah. They didn't know me. What does it mean, they didn't know me? They haven't got a clue what I want from them. That's the tragedy. You don't know what he wants. You don't understand what God wants from you. And that's not as easy as people think. People think, you know, if if they're observant, if they're this, they're that, so then, you know, they're doing it. The the Ramban says his famous statement, Novel B'shusat Torah. There's a a person who is a novel who is obnoxious, and he does everything that's written in the Torah. He doesn't understand what's going on. He doesn't understand what God wants. He misses it. Misses the whole point. And that's a... uh, And the Novi especially here concentrates on human relationships one with another. On the uh, Bein Odom lachaveiro part of the Torah. Because the Bein Odom lachaveiro part of the Torah is what has done us in over all the centuries. Somehow with God we can settle. Gitzachan Eitzah, right? Yom Kippur. You can straighten a lot of things out with the Rebbeinu Shalevah. But a society of cruelty, a society of evil, a society of lies and infidelity. Can't straighten that out. The they didn't know me. They don't know what I want. They don't understand. Because we'll see at the end of the Haftarah, that all he says, that the tremendous person is Haskil Vyodoosi, the one that knows me. The one that, that intuitively knows What's supposed to happen correctly? I always tell over the story from the Chofetz Chaim That I heard here from there was a in our community. There was a, a man that was a nephew to the Chofetz Chaim Who lived a very long life. He died he was in his 90s and he came one evening. He was he was not a religious Jew And he came one evening to speak to us. We had a social evening I don't know if you remember by uh... By Stern, I think, and uh, he was telling stories. So he was uh, he was raised uh, in an assimilated home in St. Petersburg in Russia. This is the Chofetz family. He was raised in an assimilated home in St. Petersburg and he uh, received a uh, 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 private education of the time. He was taking French lessons and music lessons and, you know, he didn't know anything about being a Jew, practically. And then a terrible tragedy happened. There was a cholera epidemic and both of his parents died. And he was left alone. And there were no relatives. So somebody in St. Petersburg knew that the Chofetz Chaim was a relative. So they took this kid from St. Petersburg and they brought him to Rodden, which is like itself a culture shock. And they brought him from this home, from this assimilated salon home in St. Petersburg, to the Chofetz Chaim's wooden uh, little hovel in Rodden. So he said, so the Chofetz Chaim took care of him. Chofetz Chaim himself took care of him. So the Chofetz Chaim went and hired a French teacher to teach, to continue the kid with French lessons. And he got a hold of a music teacher to continue the kid with music lessons. So, listen to the story. So the people in Raden were up in arms. The Chofetz Chaim is not frum. They're teaching French in the Chofetz Chaim's house. It's not frum. So they came to the Chofetz Chaim to tell him that. So I want you to understand, you know, the world never changes. The characters change, but the world doesn't change. So they came to him, they told him, Rebbe, it's it. Not nice in the house of the Chofetz Chaim in Rodden, you know, that a boy should come in and teach French to a Jewish boy, French language. So the Chofetz Chaim answered them. He said, Vos hartaich e malochim in himel." He said, Why do you, what's your problem if the angels in heaven are smiling? Ayosin, kid's an orphan. comes and say, Well, well I mean, what's your problem here? Terechof's Chaim was on a different wavelength. He had an intuition. What would God have done in such a situation? That's what he said. The Malachim are smiling. That means that God approves of it. What What would Rabbeinu Shelem have done? That's what he tried all of his life, to try and guess. What would God do in the situation? That's really our task. Our task in being human is how would God react? Because I want to imitate him, I am his creature. I'd like to be like him. So that's what the novy says. We always see low your boat. They have a clue to me. That's the tragedy. That's the destruction. So everything else follows. Once you don't, know, you know. Once you, lo- once you lost it on the radar screen, right? So then, it doesn't make any difference where you're going. The good. Good news, bad news joke, right? The pilot gets on the intercom and he says, I have good news and bad news. Good news, he says, we're ten minutes ahead of schedule. Bad news is that we're lost. That's really a very good description of our world, of our society. We're ahead of schedule, but we're, we have no idea where we're going. Every man has to guard himself against his friend. The other guy's out to cheat me. I have to guard myself. I can't take anybody at his word. Terrible situation, right? But we are aware of it, right? It's not, not far different from our situation. Person's word. Every man has to guard himself from his friend. And you cannot trust your brother. Right? Business is business. Money is money. Money destroys families. It's not a blessing. I I'm Baruch Hashem, my wife is young, but I feel, you know, she hasn't got a gray hair in her shape. Or you know, I'm, now, I'm all white, but I get, you know, the $10 million offer from Ed McMahon in the mail, I don't even open it, right in the garbage. I don't want it. I really don't want it. I'm passing already. So there was a time, you know, I talked myself in, the I said, you know, I'd make ten million dollars, I'd give nine million to the yeshiva. I can do this, that, and today it's right in the garbage. Don't even want it anymore. Can't bring me any good. Cannot trust your own brother. Kikoloch Okovyakov, What a play on words. Every brother is a cheater. Okov Yaakov, he will cheat you. Uh, here he uh, makes reference to Novi, to Esav's taina against Yaakov, for which we are still paying. Yaakov was 100% right and legal, but Ace felt that he was cheated. Vayakveni ze'pamoyim. He said, achi Yaakov, is it for nothing that he's called Yaakov? He's cheated me twice. Yaakov means to cheat. V'chol rochil ya'loch. And all my friends, everyone who is a friend, goes and slanders me. Rochil ya'loch bears tails. Can't be trusted. You know, we are going to divide this aftor in two because one cannot take it in one. Each man makes fun, mocks, but it means to cheat. When you cheat somebody, you mock him. An idiot. You know, he lets himself be cheated. One of my... I, I always, um, almost make a vow, I don't, don't do it, but I almost make a vow to myself that I'm never going to go to a car dealer to buy a car. Because whenever I buy a car, no matter what, I walk out and I feel I was cheated. No matter what price, because the, it's just just the way it works. Yeah, he's letting me have it, you no, know, this extra and this and this, and he's gonna give me this, and he's gonna give me that. No, I walk out, I'm I can you know, I feel like like vomiting. That's your saylu They make fun of you. They've mocked you, they've mocked your integrity. The Emes MS Loya Dabeiro and they cannot speak truthfully there are no words of truth that they can say lindu lishonam dabir sheker they have trained their tongues to speak falsely that they cannot even tell the truth when it is in their best interest to tell the truth sometimes you know, we call that a pathological liar but the novi doesn't give in to uh, psychological excuses they have trained themselves. Their tongue is trained that it doesn't say the truth. It's against the law to tell the truth. Look at the, uh, the, in the United States we call the, you know, truth in lending, truth in advertising bills. You know, they're telling you in advance that it's a lie. Everything it says on the first side of the page is a lie because you got to turn around and see all the things they have to print in little print in fading ink on the second part of the page to tell you that everything was on the first part of the page isn't true. They're not responsible for it, you know. Like if you're a super saver, you know, if you go Saturday night with your mother-in-law at 11.30 at night, whatever, with one bag, right, because, you know they got three seats for you, like that. It's wrong. It's wrong. You're not allowed to. I'll be You're not allowed to do it. You're not allowed to say, $99 to Miami, and you only, in, the, in the little prince, you have six seats like that, and every, the other regular price is $400. You're not allowed to do that. But we expect it. We expect it. We're convinced that that's the way it's supposed to be. And if you get away with it, then you're a good businessman. That We convince ourselves of that. That's a terrible thing. That's lindu l'sho daber sheker. To train yourself to speak falsehoods. So to train yourself in a whole society to do that, we pay a big price for that. I knew Russia Yeshiva that they would look over the uh, the uh, brochures of the Yeshiva. I remember in, in the Chicago Yeshiva, one, we had to have a catalog printed. We were going to get credits from the University of Aganza Misa, so they had to, they printed a catalog. So in the catalog, the uh, public relations man that printed it so then we in our yeshiva can I know hard and there was like 330 boys in the basement we had a big yeshiva we had 35, 38 boys in every shear so he wrote close to 500 students that's uh, you know it's close 330 is closer to 500 than to zero not bad I remember they, Rabbi Fassman, the other ones, they didn't let it be printed. They pulled it. Can the yeshiva, key dance say, you can say over 300. You want to say something. Can't say close to 500. Not true. It stands against everything that the yeshiva is supposed to be. So that's the idea of limdu Leshonam Baber sheker. Have nilu, have to do things crooked. Nilu, they worked hard at it. It's just uh, you have to work hard to be a cheater. You have to many times work harder to be a cheater than to do it straight. In the uh, early history of the yeshiva, we caught uh, three young men who had cheated on an exam. And, well, and they had cheated and an exam. I mean, how they did it? You know, they they were able to get a hold of somebody's key and make a copy of the key. And they came in at like two in the morning and they figured out the combination to the safe and they got it right. So they threw the three guys out of the yeshiva. If you can, you can get a thirty in the yeshiva, and we'll keep you. Well, in fact, once you're in, you're in. But if you cheat, you're out immediately. All three of them have remained our friends still today. It was the best thing that ever happened to them. All three of them say that. In fact, we helped place them, etc., but they were out. So I said to them, look at the effort that you put into this. You know, if you would have put the effort into study, you would have got an A. This thing took you 12 hours to put together. And you have to stay up nights and go find key. I'm mean, what are you crazy? Look at all the work you put into it. Why didn't you put the way on? So Study the three hours, right? You get the A. Well, it wasn't such a hard test. So that's what the novi says. Have a new. you worked hard to be that perverse, to do it crooked. doesn't come easy. Crime, you know, I, I think the uh, the guys that run the mafia could probably run, uh, you know, American Airlines. All maybe they do. I mean, they can, uh, they're, they're put in a good hard day's work. All the schemes to beat the government, all the nefarious things that exist in the world, thats uh, there's plenty of hard work, there's plenty of kishrin, there's plenty of genius in it. Misplaced, the novi says. Shivtachah besoch mirmah. You have sunk, you dwell in the midst of cheating, you have sunk so low that that's your way of life and therefore everything you do is that way to know, he says. So their cheating is that they refuse to know me, because they they are so wild in their behavior, they're so perverse, they're so crooked, that they refuse to reckon with me. They refuse to know me. They refuse to realize that I'm not going to let them get away with. Oh, the Novi here uh, really uh, minces no words. He pulls no punches. He says, "That's what happened. That's the If That's the Khurban. So okay. So then, that's what's going to happen. I have the Novi says, "I have no easy. Uh, I have no easy way out. I have no easy way to settle it with them. And therefore, uh, once this matter is expiated, so then we'll come and talk to them again. But right now, I can't do anything. Right now, their fate is sealed." the doom is upon them.
0: That is the uh, first lecture for today by Rabbi Beryl Wein, uh, the Haftorah of tishabav We'll get to the next one in just a few minutes. Thank you everyone who is uh, joining us this morning on JM Sunday on the Nachum Siegel Network. Uh, we're presenting Rabbi Beryl Wine's lectures later on today on the Nachum Siegel Network. Um, amazing live programming throughout the day on tishabav B'Av. In... Uh, in about an hour and ten minutes from now, live from the New Springville Jewish Center, there will be a program uh, starting at 9.15 and continuing all the way through Mincha at 1.45. Uh, kinnas explained uh, by uh, Rabbi Eliyahu Sonenschein, uh, Shlomo Schwartz, and Rabbi Moshe Faskowitz. And then Thoughts About Tisha above by Mayor Simcha Siegel and uh, Rabbi Aaron Raps. That is a live program. Everyone is invited to attend in person at the New Springville Jewish Center at 120 Saxon Avenue on Staten Island. And you can also see the entire program at NachumSiegel.com. And uh, you can also hear it on the app, listen via the listen line um and uh it is something that will be very interesting for sure if you're not able to be there in person uh, certainly uh certainly seeing it and listening to it would be a, a great way to connect with um a great way to connect with uh with the program and then also Tonight, as uh, we wrap up the Fast Day, uh, at 7 o'clock on the the network, Project Inspire presents We Need You Stepping Up and Taking Responsibility, and uh, that is um, going to be featuring Charlie Harari and the Project Inspire staff. Uh, So that is uh, a program that will be happening later this evening, and... uh, that is also going to be on uh, the uh, NachumSiegel.com and the NSN app. So that is throughout the day. It is uh, eight minutes after eight o'clock here on uh, Sunday morning, Eastern time. We are commemorating Tisha B'Av today. Today is the 10th of Av, but since the actual day of the 9th of Av was yesterday on Shabbos and we don't make any open. Uh, Commemorations, if you will, are open signs of mourning on Shabbos. We push the those um, those commemorations to last night and today, with Echa being last night. And uh, wherever you're listening around the world, in some places it's already afternoon. It's after Chatzos, which around this area is at one o three p.m. today. Uh, and in our area, the fast ends at 9.22 uh this evening. So we uh, invite you to stay with us till the end of this show, and then uh, join the network. Just keep it on, uh, and throughout the day you'll be uh, you'll be definitely uh, inspired by the programming that is on the network today. I want to thank Nachum for putting everything together, and the entire staff for doing this. So we have a full day of programming to keep us going throughout the day. We're going to get to Rabbi uh, Wines. Uh, part 2 of the Haftorah of Tishabov. Thank you all for joining us here on JM Sunday on the Nachum Siegel Network. Right.
1: The Novi says, uh, Mi'itneimi ba'midbor malon orhim. Mi'itneimi me, means alavai, would that God would place me in the desert and I would be like an oasis. Malone Orphim is an inn, an oasis. The idea of a desert, it's one of the great ideas that we have uh, throughout the Tanakh. A desert, me it's a, it's a feeling that all of us have, that I would have a uh, terrific uh, business if I wouldn't have workers, if I could do it all myself or it would be a terrific society, a terrific school, or what, whatever whatever organization we want to think of, uh, it's complicated by the fact that it's not a desert. It's complicated by the fact that there's a society that we have to contend with, and in that society are people and events uh, that are not necessarily uh, to our liking, and who uh, are a deterrent, they're a drag. They make things worse. So the Novi says, I'll avoid it. I could escape from the Jewish people and I could go out to the desert. In the desert, I would be like our father Abraham, who uh, at the beginning of time uh, ran this great inn, Malone Orchim, where guests came and he could do whatever he wanted. When you have a Jewish people, when you have the whole people together, so then, uh, there's baggage uh, there are problems it's not that simple not that easy the i will forsake my people the and i will go away from them all of them are immoral unfaithful that's the word minoafim. that's the word for adulteress but it means not only adulterous in the physical sense, it has many connotations here, but basically it's the unfaithfulness to God, the unfaithfulness to, uh, to tradition, and it's also the sexual immorality which was rampant, and it also was a statement that kulam menafim everybody, he doesn't mean everybody, but he means it was tolerated. It's accepted in society. It is not something that is considered reprehensible. It's taken for granted. It's allowed. And therefore, that's why it says, Kulam and they are all adulterers, because the ones who tolerate it eventually are as guilty in society as the ones that participate. Because without the societal approval, it could not reach the levels that it did. Atzeres bogdim. Atzeres means a gathering, a group of people who are traitors, who are treacherous. So traitors means traitors to their spouses, uh, traitors to society, traitors again to the ideals, uh, ideas and ideals of the Jewish people. So this we discussed before, that they have trained their tongues, uh, kashtom sheker, to be like a bow that shoots arrows of lies. They have developed that, they, uh, that that's accepted. A little like the uh, commercial society of the world that we live in of uh false advertising and false representations. So we become immune to falsehood because we accept we accept it and we expect it and it's part of us. The Lola and true people True people, faithful people, Govruborets, they did not do well in this world, the navi says. They're not popular. They're not strong. They're not the heroes. But those who are false, they are the ones who are heroes. I think one of the uh, statements regarding our society generally is the lack of true heroes. Most heroes in American society are uh, sports figures or other such people who... uh, or uh, people who have made a great deal of money and not necessarily in a, uh, in a legitimate fashion, in a moral fashion. And they're the heroes of society. And uh, part of the undoing, for instance, of uh, the uh, the uh, the poor class in the United States and of the minorities, etc., is that their heroes are false heroes. They're not realistic. You have... Uh, 400 possible positions to be a ball player in the National Basketball Association and you have 10 million uh, children playing in the schoolyards for the 400 positions. It's not realistic. The, uh, the fact that righteous, honest, good people not only are not held in esteem but they are ridiculed. Uh, they are held to be uh, wildly impractical people. People who have nothing to teach us. So that's what happened to the Jewish people, also. For a long time in Jewish life, in the exile, the Jewish people, even though they may not have lived up to their ideals, but they ought, their heroes were queer to them. In our time, that has again become blurred in a great section of the Jewish people. Who would we really like to be? So that's the idea here. Lole amuno, ki Kime roo el roo yotso'u. From one evil they stagger to the next evil. The imagery here is of a drunk going from bar to bar. Once having embarked upon this road, so from one evil to the next evil they went. And the uh, originally they could not have imagined themselves uh, at their final station. Couldn't imagine what they would look like at the end. But when you go from one evil to the next evil, so eventually you arrive at the final evil. The ultimate evil. The OC Loyado Nu mashem this we will see later at the conclusion of the uh, of the novi's words that the novi considers knowledge of what God says of what God wants to be of, of primary importance to know what God wants and there are many people who uh, who are very far off the mark. And that's the idea that the Ramban says in Chumash that a person could be a novel, virshus ha Torah. A person can be observant, he can be within the parameters of Torah, and yet he is an obscene, obnoxious, evil person because he hasn't got any identification with what God really wants. Ishmerayu Every man has to guard himself against his friend. No one can trust anyone. <speaking in Hebrew> and no one can trust the brother. <speaking in Hebrew> because every brother is a cheater. Okov <speaking in Hebrew> cheats. It's expected. It's part of the... Again, the psyche of the relationship is part of the society. The Cholreya and every friend Rochil Yahaloch walks around and spreads slander about you. Attempts to undermine you. Attempts to destroy you. Ve'ish Each man, again, is, is he cheats. Yehoseilu means... Uh, He makes fun of the other person. He cheats him. Uh, He takes advantage of him. He exposes him as a fool, as naive. And they refuse to speak the truth. They again have trained their tongues to speak evil, to speak falsely. They have trained themselves. Nilu. And they wanted to go crooked. They attempted. They worked hard at it. So again, the Novi here brings out the fact that many times the effort and the uh, creativity and the sacrifice required to do something wrong is as great, if not greater, as it would be to do it right but people want to do things wrong. Somehow they find that to be uh, much more satisfying. There was an incident not ago, a number of years ago that uh, students stole uh, regents' exams and passed them out, etc. So the effort that went into it, if they would have sat down and studied for the two hours or three hours, you didn't have to do that. It just took days of planning, risks, expenses, everything. But everybody felt that the investment was worth it. Whereas uh, to do it the straight way, so to speak, to spend the time, and the effort, and the creativity and study, so that uh, that's not acceptable. That's not that's not the way to do things. That's what it, that's what the novi means. Have a nilu. They worked hard to obtain this level of perverseness. They worked hard to make it crooked. It was a, uh, a matter that required effort, and they followed through with it. Shifte Choreb Asoch So the, he describes that the Jewish people sank into a dishonest society because they sat amongst dishonesty for so long that they just simply it's like you sit in uh, in garbage so after a while you smell so they sat in a society that was so bad that that eventually they could not know me they refused to know me because of their own trickeries, because of their own perverseness, because that they train themselves in that society. We see in our society also it's very hard to crawl out of a, uh, of a situation that becomes, that becomes your normalcy. There are a whole spate of uh, books and uh, movies and plays about people who are involved in the mafia are involved in crime generally and they want to get away from it and they can never get out because it has become so all-encompassing that there's no way to break the ties that's the really the Greek tragedy of life is that we are bound by bonds that we have ourselves constructed and we've ourselves done all of these things so since they were willing to dwell in a society of iniquity so, therefore, their iniquity caused them that they no longer know me. How can they have any relationship to me if they're determined to live in such a society? This uh, uh, strong and painful indictment of the Jewish people, of their behavior, uh, is reflected uh, in all the books of Musser, and in all the works that we read throughout the exile of the Jewish people, that God uh, is far from us because we have moved so far from Him. You don't, you can't expect to uh, to find honesty in a dishonest society. You're looking in the wrong place. Therefore, the Lord God says, I am going to take the Jewish people. Tsorfom is I'm going to refine them. I'm going to anneal them in the fire. The word tsoref is to burn off the dross. When you want to have pure silver, pure gold, to the extent that you can have it, uh, so you have to burn off the alloy, you have to burn off the uh, the other metals that are contained therein. That's Tzorifam. I'm going to put them through the test of fire, Uvechantim, and they will be tested. A long test for the Jewish people, thousands of years. It's a, a difficult exam. Kiech what else can I do, God says? I don't have no choice. Well, how else can I do it? God, so to speak, appeals to the Jewish people. Tell me how else to do it. I tried it so many different ways. I tried it to be, to be good, I tried it with the VM, I tried it with the... What else can I do? What gains your attention? We see that, uh, God forbid, but we see that troubles always gain the attention of people. So, that's what the Novi says in God's name. What else can I do regarding my people? How else can I treat them? Their tongue is a sharpened arrow. Their tongue can kill. You know the famous... uh, Expression the children say that sticks and stones can break my bones but words can never hurt me but we know that that is not true we know that words are far more lethal than even sticks and stones and great damage can be done in life by words so the Novi says their tongue has become a lethal arrow an arrow that kills that shechts that kills the slaughters Mirmo Deber. They speak only dishonest words. Yadaber, he speaks to his friend words of peace good words, nice words Yosim Orbo, and in his heart he is planning the ambush that will destroy his friend. A rabbis always said that the heart of a person has to somehow be uh, in line with what he says. A rabbi say, Rashi quotes it, that one of the compliments regarding the brothers of Joseph, it says, They could not speak words of peace with him. So Rabbis say, even though that's a negative thing, there's a positive quality to it. They were not hypocritical. They hated him, so they didn't. They didn't tell him, uh, you're a great guy, and in their hearts did they hate him. Their mouth and their hearts were at least the same. So you knew where you stood. So uh, hypocrisy here of talking words of peace while preparing for war... Of, of talking friendship and uh, planning the ambush, uh, that is—that uh, deceit is the ultimate immorality. So God says, "On them, this is a rhetorical question. To a people like this, shall I not come and punish them? Shall I not demand?" And accounting for their behavior. In A people, a nation such as this, shall not my soul find revenge for their behavior, for their attitudes. So again, the what makes all of this uh, stronger, uh, worse, uh, much more difficult, is the fact that uh, God gave the Jewish people the Torah. And uh, God expects, and even today, he expects a higher standard of behavior from us. It's interesting that even in the world, the world also expects a higher be- standard of behavior from us. I mean, that's part of the uh, disproportionate double standard which is applied to the state of Israel. Uh, someone phrased it very well that the, uh, the non-Jewish world expects the Jews to be the true Christians. But the world does expect it of us. The world does expect a higher standard. And we give them a higher standard. We are willing to do so. We do live to a higher standard. But God in his measurement of us, in his demands upon us, so then if we don't live up to it, so then uh, God's anger is kindled against the Jewish people. So the Novi now, the Novi uh, sees the Khurban in front of his eyes. He sees uh, the terrible events. The Prophet uh, Yirmio, uh, in fact, he mentions it, uh, he says, I am the person that saw it. The other prophets, and and that's the the medrash says here, the other prophets only predicted it, so they knew what was going to happen. But there's a great difference, my friends in life, who know that something's going to happen and actually witness it, actually have to live through it. And the novi therefore says, I, more than any of the other prophets, I'm the unlucky one, because I am the one who saw it happen, who was the living witness to it. al will esa Regarding the great mountains of Israel, the hills, I will now raise my voice in weeping, and in Nehi is moaning a song, an elegy, a song of, of weeping and of sadness. So this is the measure for measure to Mida Keneged Mida because on the hills and mountains of Israel is where the Jews worshipped Avodah Zorah. So the mountains were destroyed. The beauty was removed. Later, at the time of the Second Temple, the mountain was actually lowered. It was physically lowered, removed from its exalted status. Valno Smith kino. And regarding the oases that existed in the desert, I will sit and mourn. Because the churban that the uh, enemies of Israel brought to the country is such that nothing is left. He describes it in terms of a great locust that consumes everything in front of it. So that nothing is left. Even the oases in the desert are destroyed little like Kuwait uh, looks. Right? Nothing is left. I mean, if you just think of the enormity of, uh, of the destruction. So the poor Emir will have to spend some of the $180 billion that he has stored all over the world. But that doesn't in any way mitigate the destruction that occurred. That's what the Novi describes here. Kimitsusu ish over. The country, the oases, the mountains, the roads are forlorn. Nibli ish over. There is no traveler that passes. Nobody walks. Nobody goes anywhere. There's no travel. The Loshomu ko mikne no longer is heard. The countryside, the sounds of the cattle meaning the sounds of domestic agricultural life. It has all been quieted. ha'shamayim The birds of heaven, the animals of the earth, nodedu have wandered away, Holohu have gone their own way, they are no longer here. They're no longer present. They're gone. the, uh, the history of the Jewish people in the land of Israel is that for hundreds, for well over a thousand years, the country was barren. There were no animals. There were no birds. There was nothing. Just stones, sand, emptiness. The Ramban says that that was part of God's plan, is that no one came to inhabit the country. All the Palestinians who are there now all came after the Jews. If you read Joan Peters' book from time immemorial, so she documents there how the entire uh, Arab immigration into Palestine is in the last hundred years, when the Jews developed the country. But the country was empty, no population. And when there are no human beings, there are no animals, nothing. A scene of ultimate desolation. The Nosatias Yerushalayim Legalim. So Jerusalem was mounds. You know, like tells, uh archaeological digs. Just mounds of rubble. Gal is like a uh a mound, a monument, a bunch of stones piled one on top of the other, Gal-Aid. Ma'on Tanim, it became the home of j- jackals, of wild animals who live in the desert, who live where no one else lives. It's a, Tanim uh, is a, uh, we translate it as a jackal. It's a type of a desert dog. It's a wild creature that lives off of rodents. It's a uh, fierce predator. But it does not live anywhere where there's civilization. It lives in the wild. Ves Ore Yehuda Etein Shmoma and the cities of Judah that previously were so populous and now have become desolate, isolated, alone. Me blue airshave. With no one there, no one that's present. Now the Novi moves to another topic. Famous Sukim here in the Novi. From here to the conclusion of the after- are some of the most... Uh, well-known and famous and strongest psukim in all of Tanakh. I mentioned to you before, this Haftorah is enormously powerful. It's enormously sad. That's why they laid it all on on Tisha B'av. The Haftorah is so strong we don't read Eicha in the morning. This Haftorah sums up everything there is to say in the Book of Lamentations. It's almost as though if we had this after a plus echo, that would be too much to bear. Where can you find the wise man that understands what's happening here? Who knows what happened here? So We could say that today. We could say that regarding the events of our time. Who is the wise man that can tell us, that can explain the Holocaust to us, who can explain uh, the state of Israel, who can explain all of the struggles, all of the wars, all of the pain, all of the blood, all of the sacrifice? Who could explain it? Who is the wise man who understands? diber pi'ashem e'lo and who is the man to whom God has spoken in explanation? The Agido, and he's now going to tell us what happened here. Who is that person? So this is based, the Medrish bases it that neither the wise men nor the prophets of Israel could explain the enormity of the disaster that befell the Jewish people. It's literally the uh, story of our time, too. All of the reasons uh, that are advanced by many uh, for the Holocaust and for everything else that happened to the Jewish people all fall hollow. They don't... It's hard for us to justify, no matter what our sins were, a uh, punishment of that magnitude, of that enormity. A million and a half children under the age of twelve. All of the unspeakable things that happened. How, do, how did it happen? That himself has no answer. On more of the Horets. Why was the land of Israel destroyed? Nitzisok Kamidbor, Why was it? Burned, parched, like a desert. We blew over that it has no inhabitants, that no one lives there, no one visits there. Why did this happen? So the Gemara says no one could answer that. So God came and answered it. But God answers it in a way that's not understandable to us. To God, it's an answer to us. We find it hard to understand it. Yomer Hashem, God said, al-ozvom es torosi Because they have forsaken the Torah that I placed before them. That's the root cause of all of these troubles. Because they no longer wanted to live a Torah life. They were no longer loyal to it. They did not hearken to my voice, to all of the prophets that I sent. And they did not want to go in the path of righteousness, in the road of the Torah. They did not want to follow its lifestyle, its value system. Instead, they wanted to go according... To the wildness of their hearts. Whatever their heart wanted, they wanted to have. It's like uh, someone who is uncontrolled. He wants this, he wants that, he wants... He doesn't know what he wants. He just wants to be wild. They achere abolim, and they went after the idols. Asher limdu avosam. That their forefathers had trained them already. The, this isn't just this generation, but that this was part of their heritage, so to speak. So the Mephorshim say here a number of great ideas. Number one, that they went after the idols not because they believed in the idols. They went after the idols because they wanted to go after what their hearts wanted. So they needed a philosophy that allowed them to be immoral. A great deal of uh, of uh, the Western world today uh, follows in that they want to be immoral, they want to do whatever they want, so therefore they invent the philosophy that justifies it. They say it's unhealthy to be inhibited. Other such, uh, it's the what drives uh, much of the. Uh, psychological explanations of man and justifications of man in the 20th century is the fact that man does not want to be bound to any moral system. Man does not want to be disciplined. The Talmud tells us that uh, this... Uh, the Gemara and Gittin tells us that uh, the great Rev Yeshua, Rabbi Hanania, came to Rome, to one of the great cities in the Roman Empire, where he heard a Jewish child was imprisoned and he stood at the gate of the prison he stood by the window and he said the first half here Almo of the why was the land destroyed And the child answered from inside the prison by Omar Shemal Torosi, because they forsook the Torah. So the Tamma of Yeshua said, if there's such a child that he understands that, then I will redeem him no matter what the price is. He, uh, he uh, paid an enormous price to ransom him, to redeem him, and the child became a great Talmud Chacham. The great Rabbi Shmuel uh, was that child who was in prison. But again, the, the question that he asked is why, which is the most difficult question to answer. al of Doritz, why was the land destroyed? So people say, uh, well, you know, it was destroyed, it was political, they didn't have a strong enough army, it was uh, economically not viable, etc. None of those excuses are true. The country is destroyed because of its lack of moral fiber, because of the fact that it did not follow the Torah. We find the same uh, reasoning in the Talmud always. The Talmud asks whenever they saw an older person they said, Yomim." How come you lived so long? So nowhere in the Talmud is the answer given that I exercised, or I took good care of myself, or I went to sleep early at night. The answer is always found in a moral thing. I did this good deed. All my life I devoted myself to this task. Because our rabbis always ask the question deeper than what looks on the surface. It's not enough just to exercise. It doesn't mean you're not supposed to exercise. But that's not, that, that's not the full answer. That doesn't say the reason. So here also, it doesn't say that the reason for the destruction of the Jewish state in the time of Yumeo later in the time of the Second Temple was because of the fact that the empires were stronger than they were. And because this Jewish state had existed for hundreds of years, always those were stronger empires against them. But because of the fact that they were morally bankrupt, in the end, uh, all the notes were called in. They were just wrong. And eventually they paid the price. Therefore the Lord God of Israel says, I'm going to, this people will be fed the bitter herb, which is lana. It's an herb that is a, uh, the Latin name for it is Artemisia, which I'm sure uh, does something for everybody. But it's a, uh, it's a very bitter herb. So it's not poisonous, but it's very bitter. But vishkisi me mei rosh, I shall give them to drink waters of rosh. Rosh is already a poisonous substance. The drink that they will drink is like hemlock. It will destroy them. Now that's the description of the exile. That's the description of the punishment that's brought upon the Jewish people. I shall scatter them among nations that neither they nor their fathers ever heard of them. The uh, scattering of the Jewish people throughout the world. So in our time, we begin to realize how far the Jewish people are scattered when we see the ingathering of the Jewish people, where Jews come from all over the world. But places we never heard of, places that you're in, that no one ever knew of. And even in these places, I shall have the sword pursue them until they shall be destroyed. So the Radak says here, destroyed means that the majority of the Jewish people will not survive the exile. Which is again a historical and demographic fact that we can uh, that we can attest to—that the majority of the Jewish people have not survived the exile, not physically, well, if we count it physically, or spiritually. And the sword has pursued us wherever we have been. In the frightening. Uh, Comet, but the nor- the, the frightening comment is that he's standing 2600 years ago and talking about today. And he sees it. Kohomar Hashem Svokos, he's Bonanu. Think about this. He's Bonanu. Give it some thought. Think about it. Think about your situation. What is happening? vikiru lam kononosu Call the professional mourners. There were women who attended funerals and who mourned and wept. And that was their profession. They were professional criers. And that's true in the Near East today, in the Middle East today, in the Arabs, you And it was true in Eastern Europe also. That if a person wanted to have a a deluxe first-class funeral. So then they hired people to come and cry, because otherwise nobody cried. So they hired people to come and cry to raise the emotions of the moment. Those are the makoninos. They're the professional criers, the professional weepers. So in our time, when the macho is just the opposite, right? Not to cry, so we don't have that institution prevalent. But uh, it, was, uh, it was well known in the ancient world and even, even till our time. And to the wise women who know how to mourn, send for them and let them come. And over here it's almost a mock, uh, he makes a mockery of it, sarcastic. Usmahena, tell them to come quickly, because the churban is here. You don't have time to delay. V'sisena oleinu nehi, and let them raise this song of weeping, of elegy about us. Let them moan. dima, let them cause that our eyes should drip with tears. Vapapeno. Papenu are our eyelids, Yizlumoyim should run with water. Call them, that they should awaken within us the emotion of tears. It's interesting. the Novi says that the Jewish people had sunk to such a level that they couldn't cry anymore. They didn't even appreciate what was happening to them. You had to call the professional criers in order to instill in them that emotion of the uh, destruction he called me mishma because there is a voice of weeping of elegy of crying that is heard from the mountain of zion and the voice says Eich shudnu <inaudible> how have we been despoiled how did it happen that we have been so despoiled, that everybody that wants to can come and rip us off and take a piece from us and rob us and do whatever they want. How did this happen? Boshnu ma'od, we are terribly embarrassed. It's a shame for us. Kiyozav nu'aretz, that we are forced out of our own land that we are thrown out of our own land. So that was always thrown up to the Jewish people throughout its long exile that they were a homeless people. The wandering Jew. The legend of uh, like the flying Dutchman or the uh, man without a country who was condemned to travel on ships throughout the world, never being a citizen of any country, never having a place. So that was always seen as a shameful experience, not just painful but shameful, that no one wanted him. It's not till the 19th century in most of the countries in Europe that Jews became citizens of those countries, and it didn't really help us at the time of test. It's hard for American Jews to feel that way because we all feel we're Americans. We're all citizens. We're you know we're Americans again. That's uh, that's the blessing of this country. But the truth of the matter is that in no other part of the world the Jews feel that they're part of the country, even though they are citizens. Even you know, you'll go to France, even in England, in many many parts of the world, the Jews feel that you know that they have their bags packed. In the United States, we feel that. Uh, that that's not true. Ki ozav We have been forsaken. We don't have a country. Ki hishlichu They have thrown down our dwelling places. We have no country. They have thrown down the country. They have torn down the wall. We have nowhere to go. Ki shmano noshim dvar Again, the novice speaks to these women he has the fascination with these women, with the professional mourners, with those who come to cry. Let the women hear what God says. And let your ears absorb the words that God has to say. In other words, be cognizant of what's happening here the lameidna nehi, to teach your daughters nehi, how to weep. Train the next generation, the Novi says, because it's not going to be over in a minute. You're going to need another generation of criers. You're going to need the next generation of weepers, of professional mourners. Isha re'usa Kino and let every woman... Teach your friend, Kino, how to mourn, how to say and sing the songs of sadness. Ki moves Again, the great posuk, frightening posuk. Death has jumped in our windows. The imagery. Sometimes death comes in through the door. He's expected. And sometimes there's, God forbid, a tragedy and death jumps in through the window like an armed burglar that no one expected. That's the imagery of the Novi. Leaps through the window. Bor Arman Asenu, has come within our palaces, meaning our most protected places where we felt that we were not in danger or we could not be reached. I was in Israel for the, uh, so I went to see some of the damage that the Scuds did on the way to Bnei I went near Savion, right? So you got the fanciest, most expensive homes, right? And some of them just leveled, right? Now, so one of the ironies of the homes is that the only thing that was left around it was the big high fence, which is meant to keep out all the intruders, right? So that's the only thing that's left. The house is leveled. That's Bor Barman Haseinu. It has come to our palace. In the palace where we are protected and at home, you know, we have the burglar alarm system. And death has come in. olal michutz. It has cut off the infant in the street. Killed our children. Bahuri merchovos, the young men who walked in the streets, have been felled by the enemy. So that the that description that the navi says is again the description of the exile, the description of the destruction of the Jewish people, and the uh, powerfully uh, descriptive form of how he sees death as an intruder that leaps in through the window, completely unexpected. Daber Ko Mashem, say as follows, God says Tell them the truth. Don't sugarcoat it. Don't portray it in a more positive light. Daber Ko, this is what you should say. The nivlas kedomen pneyasode. Corpses of people will fall like dung in the fields, of no value. So again, unfortunately, in our generation we have lived to see that this is a literal description. It's not to be taken just allegorically or figuratively, but taken literally.
0: And uh, we'll conclude with uh, those words from Rabbi Wine here on uh, JM Sunday. Uh, don't forget that right after uh, the show, a few minutes after the show, 9.15, uh, there is uh, there is a special program that's going to be taking place uh, at uh, the New Springville Jewish Center. Everybody is invited to that. And uh, you can hear it and see it live on NachumSiegel.com. Uh, that is going to be a, a full program on explanatory kinness and thoughts about tish above uh, that is taking place today. Uh, so you can, as I said, you can listen to that uh, and and watch that. That will start at 9:15. Then tonight, 9:15 a.m., uh, a.m. Eastern Time. Then at uh, seven o'clock tonight, Charlie Harari with the Project Inspire staff will be featuring. We need you a Project Inspire program taking place from 7 to 9 p.m., and you can also see that on NachamSiegel.com. My thanks for everybody who joined us this morning. Uh, the fast in our area ends at 9.04 uh, p.m. You can check uh, your calendar for the exact time in your area, 9.04 p.m. in this area of, uh, of the country. Uh, thanks again for joining us. hope you have a easy and meaningful fast for the rest of the day and uh, meaningful Tisha of course and we'll see you next week hopefully right here on uh, J.M. Sunday on the Nahum Siegel Network you've been listening to Matis Weingast and J.M. Sunday on NahumSiegel.com, right here at the Nahum Siegel Network.